There's something that's very intriguing to me about the divine relationship between my house and this house. They are intrinsically connected. And sometimes we'll look at it like this. I need to get something good here and take it home with me. And I believe that. But in Acts, the second chapter, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and filled all the house where they were sitting. So before the Holy Ghost came into a church, it started in a house. So maybe, maybe instead of relying on this house to change my house, I need to get it right at home and bring what's in my house in here. So if we want to have a demonstration in here, we need to be having a demonstration at home. Praise God. You know, the most read verse in this entire book is Genesis 1 and 1. How many people get started? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And you keep reading and check me. Nothing else was created after that. I got your gears turning. There was not another original creation after Genesis 1 and 1. The fish of the sea, the fowls of the air, they came from the water. The beast of the field, the creeping thing, the cattle, the mammals, they came from the earth. The sun, the moon, and the stars came from the firmament. And the Bible specifically says, let the waters bring forth. Let the dry land bring forth. Let the firmament bring forth. So days two through six were produced by what happened on day one. And so when you go home on Sunday morning, the word that you get on the first day of the week, baby, that's producing Monday through Friday. So if you want to have a good Monday to Friday, that rises and falls whether you internalize what your pastor, your shepherd gives you on the first day of the week. Hello, somebody. See, God wants to use what you've already got. He just needs you to bring it forth. So God's word created the earth God's earth brought forth man God's man brought forth woman Jesus came from a woman the church came from Jesus the residents of that new Jerusalem came from the church so let's let's back it up if I get to go to heaven I came out of the church that came out of Jesus, that came out of a woman, that came out of a man, that came out of the earth, that came out of a word, that came from God. Never underestimate the power of a word. And throughout this entire meeting, you've been given a word from God. A word fitly spoken, Solomon said, is like apples of gold in pictures of silver so you have apples you have gold you have pictures or settings and you have silver so every time a word is spoken it needs to bear those four things the ability to reproduce that's the apple the gold that's divinity god needs to god needs to put his stamp of approval on it pictures or settings it needs to have boundaries 
It needs to be within the confines of the word. And silver, it needs to have value. And so every single word that we have heard thus far has been fitly spoken. It fits. It absolutely fits. And today I'm extremely honored to be here. I highly esteem all of the men of God that have gone before me. And this is uh, the first meeting that myself along with Brother Herring and Brother Galloway have all three been able to speak in the same meeting. And uh, we've done a few where it's just me and Brother Galloway or just me and Brother uh, Herring and but never all three of us at, at one time. And those are, those are my boys. Those are my gospel sons. And I am well pleased in what God is doing in and through them. Thank God. I love and honor this church. I've been coming here since I was 25 years old, and that was a few years ago. I'll soon be 42, and I've been coming here a long time, and I love and appreciate the Gilbert family, Pastor Gilbert and Bishop Gilbert. I love them so much, and um, I guess as much as one man can love another man, that's how much I love Pastor Gilbert. Amen. That's an agape love, by the way. But he has been my greatest friend this side of heaven for many, many years, and I, I love him. And I, I appreciate what you just heard. I appreciate what you just heard, and I just, we just heard in this hallowed house. The eyes indeed are the window to the soul, and there's just some things I don't want inside of my soul. And I've preached it to my church congregation for many, many years. If we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and that puts Jesus in us, everything we see, we're making him look at. Everything we hear, we're making him listen to. Everywhere we go, we're making him go. And I don't want Jesus on the inside cringing because of what I'm doing on the outside. I don't want that. Because I've got, I've got an 18-year-old daughter that made the journey with me. And she's been in church. Uh, well, when she was born, we took her to her first church service about four days after she was born. I was an evangelist back then, so she's been, she's been in church anywhere from three to six times a week her entire life. And if there's one thing I want my children and my wife to be able to proclaim about our house, especially my children, is mom and dad are the same, whether they're in front of the people that they pastor or if we are in our home. I want the peace of the Holy Ghost in my home. And any of uh, these ministering brethren that have been there, they'll tell you that's, that's definitely my, my heartbeat. And I understand the time. Uh, it is 1130. I'm not going to preach a, a marathon sermon today, but I do have a word from God for this generation. So if you'll... If you'll stick with me, hang with me for a few moments, I believe the Holy Ghost is going to show up in a mighty way and continue to do great things. Psalm chapter number 63. Psalm chapter number 63 is where we'll begin our sojourn to demonstration. Psalm 63, verse number 1, O God... Thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. If there's one thing I know about 
life and living for God, and I've been, I've been doing it a while, you're either about to go into a dry place, you're in a dry place, or you just came out of a dry place. And I'm going to expose, deal with, uh, explain, give revelation on some dry places that are evident and present in this building today. So would you put your Bibles down and ask the favor of God to be upon the remainder of this service today. Father, I love you so much and I thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost that I feel permeating the very atmosphere of this hallowed house. And I pray that every single person that is here under the sound of my voice would attend upon you without distractions at all. And I understand the brevity and the intensity that this hour has in this building today. So I ask you to let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. And everybody in the house, say it together in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Life with... Um, all of its ups and downs, all of its ebbs and flows, all of the good that goes along with the bad, the times of feast and famine, the moments where there is clarity, along with confusion, highs and lows, oasis, along with deserts, times of rest and moments when I'm weary, I must do everything that I possibly can to understand that He knows the way that I take and He will never leave me nor forsake me. When I, when I enter into one of these dry places, I, I must not allow my feelings order me to occupy a place of self-inflicted solidarity away from the body of Christ simply because life has taken a turn that renders me incapable of doing any and everything that I can except for trusting God. When I make the statement, I'm in a dry place, I usually mean that I feel distant from God. I feel alone. I feel stagnated. I I feel halted, I feel stale, and perhaps even cut off. And the reason that we're able to easily identify with the dry place is because we know what it's like to flow in the river of the Spirit and feel the living waters of God captivate us, and we quickly realize when the water is absent. We don't see God working. We're in a dry place. The burdens of life press on. We are in a dry place. We're discouraged and parched. We're confused and we have the emotion that would tell us that we have been forsaken. Sometimes the dry place is our own doing. Sometimes it's because there is a besetting sin that has infiltrated our life and the dry place that we currently occupy is our own fault. That's not the one that I deal with today. You've sought God, but you're still in a dry place. You have prayed, but you're still in a dry place. You long for better days, but you're still in a dry place. You can't find rhyme or reason as to why life has ended up the way that it is. And all you can say is, I feel like I am in a dry place. Maybe the case is that we chose a detour that deviated from the path that is paved with that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Maybe, maybe this dry place is because of emotional pain. Maybe it's because of mental anguish, physical distress. But I'm here, and it's hard for me to focus. 
I'm, I'm here and it's hard for me to get in alignment with God. And I, I hear the prophet Isaiah saying, wherefore when I came, was there no man when I called? Was there none to answer? Is my hand shortened at all that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Behold, at my rebuke, I dry up the sea. I make the wilderness a, uh, 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 the, the rivers a wilderness. The fish stinks because there's no water. They die for thirst. So Isaiah said, sometimes God allows us to reach a dry place. He permits it. He wills it. He approves it. He even causes it. But it's not without a promise. And I did not come here today to beat anybody up, but I did come so that you could understand why you feel like you're in a dry place. Genesis 1 and 9, God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. So even when the very first dry place was located and it was defined and differentiated from all other places, God saw that it was good. I want to rise to the occasion this morning and enlighten some people in the house that God did not say that it was good. The Bible said that God saw that it was good. So even in my dry place I know that God is watching every move that I make and he said it is good you're in a dry place this morning and God said good you feel like you're forsaken and God said good you feel like there's no water around you at all but God said I'm about to show you that in your dry place I'm still good in your desert I'm still good in your parched ground I am still good not every once in a while not every now and then not on certain occasions when you're in a dry place I am still God and I am still good here's why the dry place was good because God made it. And if God made the dry place, then he knows how to sustain it. Isaiah said, and the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be watered like a garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. You read throughout scripture oftentimes it was a drought followed by a famine. If there was going to be a drought then the inevitability of a famine wasn't many days away. But God gave us a promise that even in a drought there doesn't have to be a famine. And that's what I feel like dropping into this building today. If you're in a dry place, God said, I will still sustain you. You are in a dry place, but I'm still going to feed you. You're in a dry place, but you still long for the river of the Spirit to quench your dry part soul. Who am I preaching to today? that said I'm still going to praise him in the dry place. I'm still going to pray in the dry place. I'm still going to worship in a dry place. Whether I feel good or whether I feel bad, whether I feel like it or whether I don't, I'm still going to the house of God. I'm still going to stand at the gate of heaven even though I'm in a dry place. Maybe God needs you to eliminate some distractions 
And that's why he's put you in a dry place. The Bible said in Genesis, the 8th chapter, it came to pass the 601st year. In the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. And in the second month, on the seventh and twentieth day of the month, the earth was dried. Do you understand what has just happened? God has destroyed mankind from off of the face of the earth save eight people and the animals inside of the ark. And God gives a commandment to Noah. As soon as your feet touch this dry place, it's time for you and your family to be fruitful and multiply, but not until you build an altar. Maybe God is going to show you that in your dry place, it's time for you to get back on the altar and present your body a living sacrifice. And I'm also going to show you that in the dry place, place. I'm going to make you fruitful and you are going to multiply because while you're on earth and while you're not thirsty and while you're in a fertile field you haven't been growing you haven't been multiplying but in the dry place on the dry ground I'm going to add to you I'm going to multiply you I'm going to show you that in the dry place I will still provide growth and sacrifice happened in a dry place the saving of their house happened in a dry place you read the book of Exodus it was written to show us the pathway from deliverance to destiny it's not enough just to be out of Egypt We've got to make it to the promised land with that mentality of as long as I'm out of the world, I'm good, I'm all right, I'm okay. That Egyptian influence is still alive and well. You see, the first 19 chapters of the book of Exodus are about bondage to freedom. And then 20 to 24 is the law and the plan for the tabernacle. And 25 through 40, we actually get to build the tent of meeting. And here's the issue a lot of people have. You are trying to do service in the tabernacle while you are still shackled with the bondage of Egypt. You cannot put a sacrifice on a brazen altar with your hands still tied behind your back. You can't wash your hands and feet in the labor of water if they are still in stocks and bonds. You can't light the seven golden candlesticks or bake the bread for the table or even mix the altar of incense in bondage. You can't go beyond the veil and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat if you still have an Egyptian mentality God let us leave Egypt but let us have a made up mind come hell or high water I'm going to the promised land come storm rain or hurricane I've got my mind made up this dry place will not kill or steal or destroy me I am marching forward Thank God, thank God for Moses today that he has enough boldness and enough tenacity to say, let my people go. And the Bible said, as soon as they left Egypt, you have to understand the people that he got out of Egypt had never known anything but Egypt. Nobody was still alive that remembers the good old days before we got here everybody had been born in Egypt and as soon as he gets them into that wilderness the murmuring started we were better off in Egypt 
and we have followed this man and he sent us out here to die in the wilderness and now Pharaoh and his army are on the trail of Moses and the children of Israel and they look to Moses the fearless leader that brought us out of an Egyptian bondage lifestyle and when they get to the Red Sea the Bible said that Moses stretched forth his hand and a strong wind blew until it created a wall on their left and a wall on their right and the Bible said they walked through on what? dry ground God is providing a dry place for you to make a path for you to leave the wilderness of Egypt and thrive in the promised land of the almighty God you've questioned your dry place you've wondered why you can't feel God you can't feel his power you can't feel his glory but he's saying my eyes are still upon you I see your dry place and when you are delivered I say good when you are free I say good when I made a way where there was no way I say it's good and the Bible plainly says that it wasn't just any ground it was dry ground you know why it had to be dry ground You dry up the Red Sea, and some people like a path that's just good enough. And when you try to walk a path that's just good enough, don't be upset when you start slipping. Because you slip in the mud. But God said, I need a dry place. Maybe God don't want you slipping and sliding, looking at this, that, and the other. He don't want you to slip when you get on your phone. He don't want you to slip when you're pushing that TV remote. He don't want you to slip when you have a date with your boyfriend or girlfriend. So God said, I'm making a dry place for you so that you can go from here all the way to there when you can leave Egyptian bondage and thrive in the promises of God that are in him, yea, and in him, amen. And here's another thing I know about mud is it leaves tracks. If I've been walking in the mud, it's going to leave prints of where I've been and where I'm going. And God said, I don't want the footprints of Egypt trekking into my promised land. Are you grateful for a dry place yet? That dry place lets you forget what's behind you and reach in to those things that are before. I press, I press, I press. I'm talking about a dry place that God said, I'm going to use it to get you out of the world. And sometimes God says, trust me in the dry place. Lean on me in the dry place. Walk with me in the dry place. And sometimes we go from one dry place to another. Exodus 17, 5, the Lord said to Moses, you go on before the people and you take some elders with you and you take that rod and the same rod that you smote the river, you take it in your hand and go. And he said, I'll stand before thee there upon a rock in Horeb. And when you smite the rock, water's going to come out of it and the people are going to drink. And Moses did so in the sight of Israel. You're in a dry place right now, but you've got a man of God that's got a connection with the river. Help me preach this, Holy Ghost. Do you know where it was that that rock is having water flow out of it? It wasn't in a fertile field. Water flowed out of the rock in a dry place. 
Maybe, just maybe there's some other fountains that you've been drinking from. Maybe there's some other rivers in your life that you have been trying to sustain your walk with God with. And God said, the only way you're ever going to pay attention to me is I got to dry up everything else. And you're going to look to your pastor. You're going to look to your shepherd. And because he's had a staff that's been in the river, the same staff is going to smite the rock. And you're going to see it on Sunday morning. That's what I needed to hear. That's the word I needed. That's the sermon I needed. That is the message. God will become the resource because you've got a man of God that is connected to the source. David said he opened the rock and the waters gushed out. And where did they run? They ran in dry places like a river. And here's something today, church, that I want you to understand. That dry place is a path of deliverance. That dry place is a remedy to distractions. We have people in every church on the planet that cannot get through one single service without the distraction of that four-inch screen that they bring into every service. If that's your Bible app, fine. If, if that's uh, the way people communicate with you, fine. But can you lay it down? Down for an hour and a half and say I will attend upon the Lord without distractions and if you've got that big of a problem in it leave it in your car and that way you can come in the house and say I need the river of the spirit flowing in my life Now Joshua's taken over, and they get to the River Jordan. And I can still see Joshua reminiscing about Moses stretching forth his hand and parting the Red Sea. And now he's, he's not even at a place that big. He, he's not even at, at that type of a juncture. And he still remembers. Here's what we've got to do, but this time... This time we built all of the tabernacle items. And we're not just wandering out. We, we, we've got all of these things that, that, that Bezalel and the other carpenter made. And we've got to cross, we've got to cross this, this river. Now watch this, Joshua 3.13. He gives him a word and it shall come to pass. As soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord... The Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon an heap. Verse 15 said this, And they that bear the ark, they were the leaders. Here's what happened. They will come to Jordan. And watch this. And the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water. Jordan overflowed all his banks at the time of harvest. Verse 17, the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground. Here's the part that you'll miss if you read too fast. They did not get a dry place until all four of the priests had wet feet and until everybody gets in, we don't have a pathway of deliverance. It can't be just the ones in the front. He said, I need the people in the front. I need the people in the back. I need the ones on the left, the ones on the right. And when we all get in, he makes a dry place. When everybody is on board, we get a dry place. God, give us a church that's ready for deliverance. Give us a church that's ready for a pathway. Give us a church. Can you picture it? There's four. 
that bear the ark, they'd got the stave rested upon their shoulder. And the ones in the front, they step in the brim. And the ones in the back, if they want a pathway, if they want dry ground, there cannot be the ones in the back trying to dig their heels in the ground and say, I don't want to go. And there cannot be the ones in the front trying to pull the ones in the back saying, come on, let's get in every single one of us. No matter if you're in the front of the church or you work behind the scenes, we've got one common purpose and that covenant has got to go throughout all of the earth. You might say this morning, Pastor Houston, I don't feel like I need to be along with everybody else. I work behind the scenes. I'm on the platform. I'm somewhere in between. But God says you don't get to the other side until everybody can get their feet wet. That's what I've come to tell everybody in this house today. It's time for you to have wet feet on top of some dry ground. God unify the people from the youngest to the oldest. From the educated to the illiterate. Everybody needs to get in the water. Everybody, everybody needs to get in the water. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. For I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. In Jesus Christ. You see, Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus for the press. And some people can't see Jesus for the press, the news media, the social media. But Paul said, I press. In other words, I'm gonna make my own news. Let me let me hang out there for just a little bit. When you received the Holy Ghost, God gave you power to call things that be not as though they were. And when you have an Egyptian mentality or a way it used to be mentality or I wished I could go back to the good old days. I had a lady in my church one time tell me the church ain't what it used to be. And somehow my filter just went off. And I said, maybe because that's not what you are or what you used to be. There needs to be some people in the building that say if it is to be it is up to me I am going I am moving forget about yesterday forget about what's behind me I know it may be a dry place but God is leading God is delivering God is providing God is sustaining God send me a dry place idolatry creates dry places. And those are the sinful ones that I, that I haven't come to deal with today. That's, that's not my subject. I'm talking about the ones that God puts us through. And all of Israel was in a dry place. They were in a drought. A drought that the word of Elijah, word of Elijah caused. And the Bible said, hasn't rained, but I tell you what I'm going to do, just because there's a drought doesn't mean there has to be a famine. So I want you to hide yourself by the brook Cherith, and, and, and I'm going to let you drink from that brook, and I'm going to send you ravens that are going to bring you a meal every morning and every night. And the Bible said it came to pass that the brook dried up. So now this is a dry place within a dry place. And God said, I'm tired of you just barely getting by on a brook and relying on somebody else to bring you a meal every morning and every night. So you might be wondering why you came to TCYC this year and you feel like you're in a dry place. It's because you've been satisfied with a brook when God's ready to give you a river. 
you've been satisfied with ravens, scavengers bringing you just barely enough food to get by. But God said right now, I'm creating a dry place and make you uncomfortable. Uncomfortable enough to move. There's a widow woman and she's going to sustain you. There is another step. There is another level of trust that I'm ready to get you to. Who came into this building right now? You're dry. You're weary. You're in a desert. But the longer I preach, the more revelation you're getting. I am here for a purpose with a woman what are you doing I'm, I'm gathering some sticks and, and, and all I've got all I've got is a handful of meal and a little bit of oil can I have some water first just fetch me some water and he drinks and he said, I'll tell you what, when you make those cakes for you and your son, he said, you just make me a little cake first. You just make mine first. Now, what would happen if today the church that you attend and the man that you call pastor went to a little widow woman living on Social Security and said, before you do anything, you, you give me mine first. It would be on Facebook it, it, it would be on the news that this greedy, fried chicken-eating preacher wants to take everything from this widow woman. But you hear me. It was the word that started the drought, and it was a word that was going to end the drought. It wasn't about keeping the man alive. It was about keeping the word alive. And in other words, there needs to be some people in the building that say this dryness is going to end because I trusted God enough to sustain me while I was in it. Is there anybody in the building this morning that'll say, Pastor, first the kingdom. Pastor, first the word. Pastor, first the Holy Ghost. I'm in a dry place, but God is still here. I'm in a dry place. But God is still with me. I'm in a dry place. But I've not been left. I've not been forsaken. I am still here. And now, now God says, God says, I've let you hide by the brook Cherith. I've cut off the ravens. I allowed you to have a meal from the most unsuspecting source. Now, now all of this time has gone by. And it's time for it to rain. Now, 2 Kings 18.41, Elijah says to Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink. For there is a sound of abundance of rain. And I cringe when I'm in services. And I hear a preacher get up behind the pulpit. And they say, Elijah said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. He didn't say he heard anything. He just said, there is a sound of an abundance of rain. Do you know where he was able to make that glorious declaration? He made it in a dry place. And on this Friday morning of TCYC, you need to be able to proclaim in your dry place, there is a sound. Whether I hear it or not, there is a sound. My church is growing. Whether I hear it or not, there is is a sound. My parents are getting back in the church whether they're here with me or not. There is a sound. My children are coming back in the church even though they may not be here today. There is a sound of abundance. There, there is. And when somebody looks at you and says, well, I don't see him here, there is a sound. 
there is a sound. There is a sound. And where was I when I heard preemptive sounds coming from a storm that I can't even see a cloud yet. They came from a dry place. God said I'm going to let your mouth proclaim things while you're in a dry place and because of what you proclaim in the dry I am going to bring it to pass when the drought is over. You're in a dry and a thirsty land where no water is. There might not be any water here but baby there is worship here and if you can mix worship in a dry place God will see you're not just here to see and to be seen you are here because you love the Lord your God Ezekiel what do you see I see a valley I see a valley and there's, there's bones littered everywhere. I see a valley and there's a bunch of, bunch of has-beens and a bunch of used-to-bees. And they're not even together. There's bones just scattered everywhere. There's a leg bone over here and a skull over here. There's a kneecap over here. And I see some hands over there. And the Bible plainly says that they were very dry. The reason the bones were dry is because the place was dry. And he said, you prophesied to the bones. I'm preaching to some young people here today and some dear elder saints of God that you feel like the days of apostolic revival in your life is just a valley of dry bones. But God said if you can somehow let your lungs fill with air and let that air pass over your vocal folds and you articulate words with your lips and with your tongue and you tell bone get over here to this bone. Bone get over here to that bone. And then when you see a mighty army but they're still lying like a bunch of corpses you can prophesy to the wind in the midst of a dry valley and God is going to make an army that's going to launch you into apostolic revival. If there is anybody here that has dried out and died in the dry place, I've come here to prophesy to you and prophesy to the wind because when I've got wind and I've got word there is resurrection power in the house of God and then then when they get up he said Ezekiel I want you to grab two sticks just grab two sticks and I want you to write on one of those sticks Judah and I want you to write on one of those other sticks, Ephraim, for Joseph. And when you hold them up in the air in your dry place, I'm going to allow them to intertwine and they shall become one stick in your hand. Now everybody in the house has heard any preacher on the planet preach about Judah. Judah is praise. Judah is number four. And in baseball, the number four batter is called the clean up hitter. And when Judah comes forth, he will clean everything up if you have the ability to praise. But what about Ephraim for Joseph? What does that mean? Joseph. Joseph the dreamer. Joseph the one that's been mocked. Joseph the one that they have put him to an open shame. They've thrown him in a pit. He's, he's been in the palace. And then because of what I'll call her a prostitute, because i got to make all of these go with the letter P. Then I go in the prison. In other words, I got a stick about some praise. But then I got another stick 
that's just filled with problems. And God said in your dry place, if you'll just mix your praise along with your problems, I'm going to put the nation of Israel back together again. You're eager to bring your praise into the house. You've entered into his gates with thanksgiving. You've come into his courts with praise. But did anybody bring a problem in here today that God said, I'm going to mix your praise with your problem in a dry place and show you that I am able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask. Maybe we ain't supposed to call people out, but maybe we are. You've been in a dry place. Ginger, you've been in a dry place. But not one time have you ever wavered. Not one time have you ever not walked to that pulpit with a solemn word from God and even behind the scenes you have prayed for yourself you have prayed for your family you have prayed for this congregation and ultimately your city and God said there's a valley of dry bones that are laying in the city of Tennyson and I see two sticks I see two people that stuck it out I see two sticks I see two people that stuck together I see two people that stuck to this church and God said I'm going to take the problem and I'm going to mix it with praise and this dry place is going to create a revival that's going to shake the very atmosphere of this house it's happening in a dry place I love the praise, but I don't want to expose the problem. God said, you don't get a mighty army to move forward until you can bring the praise and the problem together. Mark chapter 6, Jesus said, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. Maybe your dry place is because you have been so active in areas that really don't need your activity. And he said, I've got something that I need to show you. I've got something that I need to provide for you, but I can't do it until I put you in a dry place. Oh, but... I'm not in a dry place. Look what I got. I, I'm not in a dry place. Look, look, look at me sing. I'm not in a dry place. Watch me preach. I, I'm, I'm not in a dry place. Watch me worship. Hmm. That same chapter in verse 39. He commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green Grass. When was the last time you saw green grass in a desert? When was the last time you saw green? If it's green, it's getting watered. And God sent me by here to tell you, you can sing but still be in a dry place. You can be winning souls and still be in a dry place. You can still preach the word and be in a dry place. There's something I need to give you. I need to give you some bread and I need to give you some fish. In other words, I need you to get a taste in your mouth for the word and to be a witness. Jesus said, I am the word. I am the bread and I need that inside of you. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. God said this two things that the dry place is going to teach me is to love the word and to spread the gospel. There is somebody that is in this building. You've been in a dry place and you are fertile. You've been in a dry place and you're still producing. You've been in a dry place and things look awesome. But God said, I'm giving you a word. I'm giving you a witness. Now spread it. 
I don't want to go. I don't want to do that. I don't want to preach to them. That's what Jonah said. And a whale swallowed him up. Jonah said it was a great fish. Jesus called it a whale. Life will swallow you up if you're not willing to go through the dry place. Because when he finally cried out enough, God, deliver me from this hell hole that I'm in right now. The Bible said the fish vomited Jonah up on dry ground. And Nineveh was dry, but he brought something. He brought a revival. He brought a message. And to the group that's here today that made up your mind, I'm going to the house of God. And no matter what I've got to do, I'm going to obey the word. And right now, your dry place was not to kill you. It was to deliver you. Your dry place was not to destroy you. It was to unify you. Your dry place was not to destroy you. It was to show you that your provision comes from God and God alone. Is there anybody that came to church today that said, God, in the dry place, I got to keep going. In the dry place, I got to keep worshiping. In the dry place, I've got to keep going forward. Then step out from where you are. Come down to this altar and you might be in a dry place now. But God said, I'm still there. I don't want any instruments here. No singers. Because I feel in the Holy Ghost. Some of these singers and musicians, they keep pouring out. They keep pouring out. They keep producing green grass, but they're in a desert place. They're in a desert place. It doesn't make you sinful. It means that God loves you, and he loves you enough to take you to the next level. He loves you enough to show you that your answer is inside of you. Well, Pastor Houston, how do I... How do I keep making it in this dry place? I've been coming. I've been worshiping. I've been singing. I've been teaching Bible studies. This word that I'm preaching to you today, it came out of two months of the driest place of my life. And in this dry place, I still taught 14 home Bible studies. In this dry place, I still preached. In this dry place, I still spoke at meetings. In this dry place, I still studied. In this dry place, I still read my Bible. In this dry place, I still walked the aisles of our sanctuary because I said I refuse to let the outside dictate what God has called me to do because I believe what Jesus said. He that believeth on me as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So the sustenance you need in your dry place isn't on the outside. It's on the inside. Let it flow. Let it flow. Let it flow. Hands in the air all over the house. God, show us what we need to do in the dry place. I need some lady in here that from the very moment I read my text, you said, that's where I've been living. I need a man in the house that from the very moment that I pointed out to you 
that God created the dry place and saw that it was good. You felt a witness in your spirit. And you said, how can a dry place be good with all of the hell and distractions that I'm facing? And right now, throughout this entire word, throughout this entire sermon, you've said, I've got purpose. I've got an agenda. I've got a plan. But more than that, I've got a God. That's it. I, I feel some deliverance coming right now. I feel some deliverance coming right now. This dry place was to show you. I'll make a way. This dry place was to show you. I'll make a revival. This dry place was to show you. I will provide exactly what you need. You remember, we don't get a dry place until every priest puts their feet in the water. We don't get a dry place until everybody gets in. We don't get the deliverance. We don't get the provision. We don't get the sustaining power of God until everybody gets in the water. Step in. Step in. We need a path. We need a path. We need a path. We need a path. Come on, everybody in. Everybody crying out. Everybody praying. Everybody lifting up your voice in the dry.